In your Bibles tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. As I'm studying Ecclesiastes 5, I could kind of get my mind set around how this is being presented. This is the thought that I have. You've got Solomon, the richest man that's ever lived, in the prime of his life. He's experienced everything the world has to offer. Uh, righteous, sinful, wicked, good, bad. He's experienced it all. And in his search to find peace in creation and peace in people and peace in life, his findings come back loud and clear. Everything under the sun equals vanity and vexation of spirit. Everything under the sun ultimately will fail. Ultimately will end. Ultimately will conclude and leave you with a void. And so Solomon all through the book of Ecclesiastes, he's talking about this subject that everything under the sun is vanity and vexation of spirit. And when we get to chapter 5, it's almost like he's sitting in a chair and we're talking to him. And he's just coming up and thinking about things that somewhat at random, that under the sun are vain, that lots of folks want to trust in, but just some realities. It's almost like you're in the Proverbs section of the book of Ecclesiastes when you come to Ecclesiastes 5. And we're going to look at some Proverbs tonight from the writer Solomon. And the three points of tonight's message, I really don't have a title for tonight. Maybe you can come up one for one with me. But I've got three points. Point one, governments are corrupt. Amen. Point two, everyone needs food. Point two. Point three, riches never satisfy. Let's look at it tonight. We'll start with point number one, governments are corrupt. But I want to read this text to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning verse number 8, the Bible says, If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there, are, there be higher than they. Moreover, the profit of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. Verse 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail. And he begatteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. And shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. 
And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Behold, that which I have seen is good and comely for one to eat and to drink, and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun. All the days of his life which God giveth him, for it, is his, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. We'll look together tonight these three simple points. Uh, interesting things. Number one, governments are corrupt. Look at what the Bible says in verse 8. Solomon's sitting here and he says, let me tell you a few things about life. Let me tell you a little bit about the vanity of life. He says, let me tell you something that you're just going to have to get to the place where you can just go, huh, I'm going to trust the Lord with this. He says, governments are corrupt. Now, here's what the Bible says in verse 8. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice, in a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. What all does that mean? Okay, we can talk about it. It's very simple. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment. Have you ever seen the oppression of the poor? It's a sad thing to watch the poor be oppressed. We have uh, fairy tale stories and stories like Robin Hood and uh, where we see that there are provinces and there's governments that are taking advantage of the poor and Robin Hood swoops in and saves the day. <laughs> I don't recommend that you become a Robin Hood. Uh, but we do need to come to grips with the fact that there are folks and governments and our government even and government officials who are prone to press the poor. Now sometimes... I don't, want to, I don't want to get too far off base, but sometimes the uh, poor are used as pawns politically to try to manipulate the masses. We need to be careful and we need to be wise. Let me tell you something. Any government program that encourages people not to work is not helping them. Anything that provides food without labor to able-bodied people is not help. Anything that encourages perversion and sinful behavior is not help, it's oppression. You get to a place where a society and a government encourages people to betray the word of God, the truth of God's word, to move away from the structure that God has designed for society that is not helping the poor, it is oppressing the poor. The Bible says you're going to watch. Governments are corrupt. Governments oppress the poor. It continues. We see here the governments. We see if thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment. Violent perverting of judgment. Now, it happens. Perverse response and reaction to government or to a sentence. Or if you see these things... In a province, the Bible says, marvel not. Don't, don't be surprised. Now, it's not saying that we shouldn't be the kind of folks who are standing up for what's right. We should be. 
We should be good citizens and voting citizens and faithful citizens. But the Bible says, now look, if you notice that there's corruption in government, don't be surprised. It's kind of interesting to me that Solomon is writing this as the king. (laughs) Solomon's writing this as a man of great authority and power. He's noticed that even in his own kingdom... The best of his ability, he can't keep it all under control. He says, because here's what happens. Don't be surprised when there's corruption in government. He says, he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than night. Now, when I first read that, I was like, oh, man, that's sweet. I love this verse. I can't wait to preach on this verse because Solomon has said, the highest of the high, the highest of the high, God himself is going to overrule Now, the truth is God is going to overrule, but that's not what this verse means. Here's what it means. There's no reference here to God. There's reference to the power structure of the province. And the Bible says, he that is higher than the highest, the highest uh, person in the province is regarded by somebody higher than him. And there's people higher than them. And the corruption, bottom line, the corruption goes deep. How many of you ever look at politics and get frustrated (laughs) every time? (laughs) Now listen, don't be surprised when there's corruption. Don't be complacent when there's corruption, but don't be surprised when there's corruption. Don't get desperate when it seems like the government is corrupt around you because that's been the story of sinful society for the history of mankind because we're people ruled by sinful people. Don't marvel at that. Don't lose your faith. Don't become ridiculous. Don't get hopeless. Don't get scared. Don't get faithless. Why? This has been going on forever. And God rules and overrules in the affairs of men. And Solomon says, don't get upset. Marvel not when there's corruption in politics. One of my favorite things is the definition of the word politics. If you break it down, it makes perfect sense. You parse the word into two, poly. Poly means many. The second part of the word is ticks, bloodsuckers. It's just clear. (laughs) May God help us not to be faithless. In regard to our place in society, in regard to the structures that are around us, let's not be faithless and hopeless. You know, it's a sad day when Christian people find all their hope in some government structure or a political party. That's not our hope at all. It's not our hope at all. Does that mean we shouldn't be active in our society? Absolutely. We should be the best citizens there are. But we shouldn't rest our hope and have our joy and our demeanor called up in everything political. If you find yourself watching the news and you spend your time down the dumps thinking that it may be better for children not to be born and the government, the, the world not to exist, you may need to quit watching that and open your Bible and remember that God rules and overrules in the affairs of men and get used to the fact that there's corruption around us, but God is greater and life is short and eternity is long. Don't forget it. It's a sad day when Christian people, all they can do is live for whatever's going on right now. Hey, forget about right now. I mean it in the right way. Don't let right now rule your spirit. You're going to be here a few short days. 
We're going to be in glory forever and ever. Live for eternity now. You know something sweet? Every person I've ever met that's living now for eternity is happy now. <laughs> it's good. It's good. You know what? You can enjoy difficult situations in life. And you can have joy in difficult situations in your life because our hope is in the Lord. Solomon said, I'm the king. And government is corrupt. Don't let your heart be troubled when you realize governments are corrupt. Because this guy's corrupt and the guy above him's corrupt and the guy above him's corrupt. Our hope is not in government. Aren't you glad? Our hope is in the Lord. Number one, governments are corrupt. Number two, everyone needs food. I think this is kind of fun. Verse number nine. The Bible says in verse 9, Moreover, the profit of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. There's something that Solomon identifies. Now, you can imagine, I just have this mindset that Solomon's sitting in his chair and he's talking to somebody. He says, I'm, governments are corrupt. Let me tell you something else. You need food. I need food. He says, the profit of the earth is for everyone. Everybody needs corn and bread and meat and water. Everybody needs food. Now, when a king comes to grips with the fact that he needs food, he comes to grip with something that's very important. You know, we get so proud of ourselves. Not only, you know, we live... In a rich society. Now, if I ask you, are you rich? You'd probably say no. But the truth of the matter is, every person in this room, in comparison to the vast majority of the people who live on planet Earth, are wealthy. We're wealthy. I mean, if you've got a roof over your head and you're not concerned about eating something tomorrow, you have a whole lot to be thankful for. Now, King Solomon says, I've got everything, but I understand something. The profit of the earth, the, the crops, the food of the earth, it's for everybody. Everybody's got to have something to eat. He says, not only is it for everybody, he says, but it is also for the king because the king himself is served by the field. Someone told me this years ago, and it struck a chord in my heart. Is a lady, spiritual lady, and she said, you know, Pastor Cody, we need God. I agree with that statement. But sometimes I don't, I don't think I put it in the right context. She says, Pastor Cody, we, we need God. And I think, I need God. But the truth is, there's food in my refrigerator. There's a little bit of gas in my car. There's a little bit of money in my account. It's the first of the month. I, need, I know I need God, but I feel like I could probably provide pretty good. I'm healthy, strong. This lady said, oh, we need God. I said, you're right. And she said something that helped me. She said, we need God. She said, you just think, if God withheld the rain, if God withheld the rain, what kind of shape would we be in? I began to think about it. 
<laughs> if God withholds the rain for a month, we start getting a little bit squirmy. We get a little worried. The farmers start to get a little scared. The news reports start to... If God withholds the rain, guess what? We are all subject and in need of God. If God withholds the rain, there's no food. And the king says, look, hey, I'm served by the same field that everyone else is. Everyone needs food. You know what it tells me? Everybody needs God. Everybody needs God. Whether you realize you need God or not, you need God. You need God as a provider. You need God as a director. You need God to give you joy and peace. You need God as an answer and a hope for life's unanswered questions. The graveside service today, Aaron Conley's pastor brought a message that was fantastic. The theology was spot on. And he reminded us that there are so many things in this life that we do not understand. But we must know and understand that God is love and God acts in love and God always acts in love and we must rest in the fact that we may or may not in the course of our lives understand how God's love was expressed in our trouble and tragedy but you can be certain this very thing that for all of eternity we'll rejoice in the promises of God the blessing of God and we will anchor our souls and we'll be happy in Jesus because we'll know that the work of God was done in love even though we didn't deserve it we hope in the Lord Look, everyone needs God. Everyone needs food. Everyone needs God. Solomon said, <laughs> everyone needs God. You've heard the old saying about kings and rulers and powerful people. Someone says, huh, he puts his pants on one leg at a time too. And Solomon's saying something like that. I need bread, and you need bread. Everyone needs food. Number three, riches never satisfy. You know, I think that our society is absolutely, totally oblivious to this next truth. We think that riches satisfy. We think that riches satisfy. How many of you ever remember thinking about if you could have this, you're, you're young and beginning. You could have this. Man, that would be the end all. That would be the greatest. And when you're little, it's different. So I remember when I was a little boy, uh, things were tied at our house, and I knew that. And I, But I wanted for Christmas. I like to drive stuff. Even when I was a little tiny boy, I still like to drive anything that you can drive. But I love to drive stuff. So my go-to as a kid was a remote-controlled car. And I asked for Christmas. It was the year that the Tyco Fast Tracks was the cat's meow. I mean, this thing was awesome. It was perfect for me because it was a fast remote control car and you drove it like a bulldozer. I mean, how could you go wrong? 
You pushed both buttons forward and it went forward. You pushed one back and one forward and it spun one way. You pushed it the other way and it spun the other way. And that thing was fast. If you went backwards and uh, real fast and then put, flipped it forward real fast, it'd ride a wheelie. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. I got to have one of those. I wanted it bad. Now, I remember having this thought in my heart. I thought, man, I hope I can get that for Christmas. I didn't believe in uh, the claws. But uh, I thought, man, I don't know if this will ever happen, but I want one really bad. And uh, at any rate, Christmas morning came around. and uh, Always, there was no presents when you went to bed. And when you got up, Mom, she worked hard. I know she did. There were presents around the tree. And guess what? I got the fast tracks. It was awesome. And I'm just telling you something, I was not disappointed. I remember thinking, man, if I could have a fast track race car, I don't care if I ever get anything else for Christmas the rest of my life. And I got it, and I enjoyed it, and I'm thankful to this day for it. But let me tell you something, it wasn't long until I wanted and needed something else. Wanted and needed something else. I'm a dreamer, I can't help it. Don't want to help it, it's fine. We dream. The Lord's been awful good to me as far as things are concerned. But you know what I found out? That the, the dreams of the moment, the things that we're pressing towards that are earthly and material, the things that, if I could have that house, <laughs> that'd be awesome. And it is awesome. If I could have that truck, oh, that'd be awesome. And it is awesome. It's great. But let me tell you something. You get... All the dreams you've ever dreamed of, when you get there, you're going to find out no matter where you get, there's going to be something else that you're clawing for and going after. It's just the way we are. Does that mean we stop trying to build our businesses, stop trying to earn money, stop trying to be productive, and stop trying? No, keep going, go for it. But do not be so fooled to believe that another house or another car or another thousand in the bank is going to be the thing that gives you peace in your heart. Because it won't. It's only God. Only God. Only God. It's not a relationship. It's not money. It's not health, wealth, prosperity. It's none of those things. It's only God. And Solomon said, I've had it all. He says, I found out something. Riches never satisfy. Verse number 9, the Bible says, "There's uh, verse number 10, He that loveth silver should not be satisfied with silver. If you fall in love with silver, guess what happens? You keep wanting more silver, more silver, more silver, more silver. When do you have enough silver? Never. Until you get your heart satisfied with God. And when you're satisfied with God, the amount of silver you have is fine. And if God will give you some more, that's fine too. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is... Also vanity. And then he gives us some examples. Riches never satisfied. Verse 11. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? Now here's something interesting. Solomon says, look, all the things I've got, I can't enjoy all the things I've got. I remember the first time, I like power tools too. I just, just how I am. But I remember the first time I bought a brand new steel backpack blower, the best one you could buy. But I bought it so that somebody else could help take care of the yard 
at Boiling Springs Baptist Church because I didn't have time to do everything else and blow the parking lot off too. And I remember buying that steel backpack blower. And I was like, man, this thing's awesome. And I thought, I'm not even going to use it. And I handed it to somebody to use. <laughs> and you learn something. Just because you get all the toys you want doesn't mean you have time to use them. And he says this. He says the only good to the owner who has abundance and gets more and more is he can't play with his toys anymore. He's got to just be sad. He's got to look at somebody else play with his toys. Henry Ford said this. He said, I found out something. I can only wear one pair of pants at a time. And the rest of them I can just look at. So the Bible gives us this picture. Now, it doesn't say stop, but if you've got any employees, you can understand this. The more you earn, the, more, the, the broader you are, the more uh, things you're into, the more help that you have to have, the more it costs to keep things going, and the more you have to have things that other people use and enjoy, and you just have the chance to watch it, and that's, that's fine. But if you think somehow that a garage full of cars is going to be the thing that satisfies the yearning of your soul, you're going to find out you can just drive one at a time. And if you have a bunch of cars, hallelujah. That's good. But one more car won't satisfy the yearning of your soul because riches never satisfy. Verse 12, here's what the Bible says. I love this. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Whether he eat little or much. A man that's worked really hard, whether he's got much to eat or not, he sleeps really good. I remember those teenage years working hard on the farm and going home and sleeping. Man, it was magical. Magical. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Whether he eat little or much, but listen to this, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. You know what happens? When you've got a lot, Often, a whole lot robs you of one of the sweetest joys in life is sleep. I remember talking to a man. He had made it uh, uh, very well in society. He was one of these guys that he hopped on a private jet every Monday morning and uh, flew to this place to do work and flew to that place to do work. And over the course of the five days, he was all over the country doing business, high-end deals, making lots and lots of money. And I talked to him. He came to our camp, to Mount Moriah Camp, as a counselor. And he was telling me about the story. He wasn't bragging. He was just talking and telling us. And I was fascinated. He said, I've just quit my job. I said, really? I mean, you get to fly all over the world? And he was a golfer, and he played golf in some of the most amazing golf courses there were weekly. And like, what's wrong with you? He said, you know what? I got tired of I got tired of staying up late, worried about business deals and getting up early, too early, in order to make business deals. He said, I found out that all the profit wasn't worth the loss of sleep. <laughs> and Solomon says, look, man, there's a, there's a uh, prominence that robs you of sleep. You know what? God gives folks the ability to sleep through trouble, and that's sweet and good. But if you're just after riches, it'll rob you of some of life's greatest joys. 
It says in verse 13, There's a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. Have you ever heard somebody that was so infatuated with riches and things that they couldn't enjoy life? Folks so infatuated with adding the to seeing the number in their savings account go up that they won't burn uh, a light bulb in order to read a book at night. Someone so infatuated with the numbers of their savings account uh, going up that they won't enjoy the moments of life. Solomon says, man, I've seen it. Riches kept to the owner's hurt. Verse 14, he says, here's something else to think about. Riches never satisfied. Those riches perish by evil travail. And he begetteth a son, and there's nothing in his hand. He said, I've seen people lose it all. Now, let me ask you a question. If you lose every earthly possession, if you lose all the possessions, what do you have? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of men who've got a lot of possessions, if they lost all their earthly possessions, they have nothing left. You know why? Because they've neglected their wives and their children. Because they've neglected the eternal purpose that God has given us on life to invest in other people. You see, it's possible for a wealthy person to lose all he had and not lose what's most important as long as you keep Christ first and people in their proper place. Solomon says, look, riches will never satisfy because the greatest riches that have ever existed can go away. Solomon says, look, I don't have to keep this. If you lose everything that you have, what do you have? I love this little story. There's a man, he had made it very, very well in the business world. He was notorious for giving uh, lots of uh, money to uh, churches and charitable work, Christian work, eternal work. And the uh, economy turned and he lost all of his business and the opportunity to, to make the same kind of money never came again. He's actually working just a regular job, making a living. Someone asked him one day who knew all that he'd given to the Lord's work. They said, do you ever regret all that money you gave away? And he said, absolutely not. He said, that's all I have left. And he's right. We're laying up treasures in heaven. There's a sore evil. Riches perish. Verse 15. The Bible says this. Just remember this. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. Look, you're born without anything. You'll die without anything. One of the little girls in our church, just a couple of weeks ago, having a conversation with her mother, she was imagining what it was like the day that she was born. And she said, Mommy, when I was born, did I have on a beautiful dress? Her mommy said, no, you were naked. And she was so mad. That's not even possible. How could you be born naked? Surely I was born with a beautiful princess dress. No, you're born as she was so mad. <laughs> we think it's ridiculous to think that you'd think that you're born with clothes on. 
Let me tell you something that's just as ridiculous. To think that somehow riches have profit for you past the grave. It doesn't. Naked, came in this world, naked we go away. Look, don't let this quench your ambition. Be ambitious as long as it's righteous and holy. And God will bless you. And you can be happy, rich. You can be happy, poor. You can be happy, healthy. You can be happy, sick. You can be happy with loss. You can be happy with much. You can be happy because guess what? Solomon's found out something. The key to enjoying life is not to hold on tight to life. But it's to stay close to God. Because God gives us an eternal purpose. Folks, it's clear. Governments are corrupt. Everyone needs food. And riches never satisfy. Let's pray.